welcome to the Album Nerds Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Dude, with AlbumNerds.com, and I'm joined, as always, by Andy. Hey, dude. How's it going, man? Great. How are you? <laughs> you always laugh when I talk that way. Uh, I, I love your, your podcast voice, but it's great. Does it remind you of someone you used to know in sales? <laughs> Yes. Anyway, <laughs> so this is uh, the Album Nerds Podcast. A couple of dudes that have been friends for a long time, uh, live far away from each other, and don't get to talk about music so much anymore, so we're using the platform of the internet to discuss albums in a kind of a organized fashion, and we figured, what the fuck? Let's do a podcast. Not for the kids. <laughs> Why not do, you know, why not record it and uh, let it out there for the world? Maybe there'll be some interesting or entertaining tidbits about music. So, uh, like I said, I'm Dude. I, I'll give you a little background. I love the rock and roll. I'm old, uh, resistant to change. And uh, this is a great opportunity for me to be exposed to newer stuff and, and uh, also search for those bands out there that are new that to have the sound that I like and is not, um, you know, canned pop music. <laughs> uh, what about yeah, you there, man. handsome? Uh, thanks, buddy. Um, I'm Andy, and... Uh, yeah, thanks for complimenting me, by the way. What do you mean? Well, I'm handsome, too, just in a... Different, very different kind of handsome. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's You're the a very nice handsome one. voice. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> and great musical taste, I'll add. Oh, wow. Um, I just got yeah. an ear boner. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm Andy, and I, I listen to a lot of new music. I'm pretty uh, diligent on the new releases. Um, and I have a little bit of uh, experience in the 90s and 2000s. But, um, yeah, I'm into a little bit more experimental and uh, avant-garde. The dude's a little bit more traditional. Yeah. Um, but we do, uh, we do cross over a little bit, and this is uh, it's always fun kind of hearing what the other guy's been listening to. So, with no further ado, shall we jump into the uh, what you're listening to portion of the program? Yeah, let's talk about the stuff that we've been listening to the last couple of weeks. I'll let you kick that off. All right, sounds good. Um, so there's a bunch of new records that came out kind of all at once at the beginning of September. Um, a couple big names, a couple kind of uh, surprises. One of the, I guess, surprising records to me is this new uh, King Creosol record. Um, the title is Astronaut Meets Apple Man which I actually love the title. Um, so King Creuso, I first heard of him a couple of years ago. He put out a joint record with John Hopkins, who is a electronic music producer. Um, King Creuso, though, is a Scottish singer-songwriter. He has a very um, distinct kind of high-pitched voice. Um, but he writes beautiful songs and this record here is is kind of um what i would consider his most polished and um kind of complete record to date and it's 
it's um it's a really really good one i've been enjoying it a lot over the last couple of weeks um yeah another record i wanted to touch on was the new de la soul record uh and the anonymous nobody did you get a chance to to hear this man yeah i listened to to everything this time around okay cool (laughs) 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 yeah uh so this daylight record it's the first one in like what 15 years or so there's been some releases in between that i think i thought were at least a couple of the members and they were still calling it de la soul but i'm not 100 percent sure i didn't do the background on it that's the first one i've considered a de la soul record in quite a while but um i don't know i kind of have mixed feelings on it in general i mean i had very high expectations obviously Mm because knowing who they were um in the the 90s um yeah three feet high and rising is the only album i ever really listened to or owned by them uh i remember first hearing it in the library in high school one of my buddies had it on a on cassette and he wanted me to check it out and i just couldn't believe the skits and all that stuff was different yeah there was uh just there's a lot of personality and it felt like you know just as in the late 80s early 90s alternative rock was starting to form this felt alternative hip-hop to me even at the time i'm like this is so different than what i've heard and i and i like i said i own like three rap albums and that's one of them <laughs> yeah i mean i listen to three feet high and rising pretty regularly um and you're right, there's a lot of personality. I think the personality still shines to a degree on this new record. I think where it kind of gets confusing for me is the sound changes so much over the course of the record. There's so many um, features from other artists on here. Yeah, the guest stuff, I mean, for me, it was very long and, yeah, disjointed maybe. Yeah, and it didn't right. have that personality that I was looking for. It was okay. I mean, it sound, I mean, the production and everything to me was kind of pretty typical of now Mm -hmm. and that's okay. I mean, no one expects these guys to try and innovate anything. They just wanted to make a album and, and the, the song with Justin Hawkins on it. Yeah. I had high expectations for that. I was hoping for something in the walk this way, sort of Aerosmith and, run dmc collaboration a little more upbeat or something but it was just kind of you know rap song and then at the end justin hawkins moaning instead of you know him from the darkness um you know that kind of throwback hair metal type sound so i was expecting some something a little more spirited i guess but you know I, it didn't suck or anything, and anyone that likes De La Soul or loved them before, I think would uh, would enjoy this. But yeah, yeah, I wouldn't not, I wouldn't push anyone away from it. But I don't know. There's good tracks on here. I really love the um, the track with David Byrne on it. Snoopy's is probably my favorite, but it's not really. I wouldn't consider it a De La Soul um, track. It doesn't. It's more David Byrne track with David's De La Soul kind of featured on it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, it is, it is a little bit longer than maybe it needs to be. And some of the skits, I don't know. They didn't really grab me like they did. 
20 years ago but yeah but we're not you know i was also a teenager yeah and i, mean, I was amazed it. by things a lot easier than i am now sure you sure. know <laughs> so <laughs> like self-driving cars those amaze me some new social networking website yeah right. so right. it's all in degrees yeah in your perspective Okay, so one more record I wanted to touch on that I just got turned on to about a week ago, and I've really been listening to a lot and enjoying, is this um, a new artist here called L.A. Salami. And I think this is his first record. Um, it's called Dancing with Bad Grammar. And speaking of long records, it is a monster record. It's... Um, an hour and 22 minutes long, 15 tracks. Um, I guess I would describe his sound as kind of eclectic um, singer-songwriter. He has, he's kind of a rambling vocal style. Some people compared him to um, to Bob Dylan, but that might, you know, it's obviously he's not Bob Dylan, but he does have kind of a similar lyrical style um i don't know i've really been enjoying this record there's a lot of cool ideas and just you can tell like he just had threw up like a whole bunch of ideas and recorded it and just put it out it's not very polished but uh i'm pretty excited by by what he's doing did you uh what do you think about this one first of all when i saw the title la salami i thought it might be like a like a phony metal band like Steel Panther. Because like like there was all the LA band. guns and yeah, I wasn't sure what to what to expect. And I <laughs> certainly wasn't expecting LA Salami to be some what was he, British or from Wales or Irish or something. Dude with a heavy accent and uh the sort of folky sort of folky. Sort of folky, yeah, not quite that. A little more modern sounding than that. Um, I yeah, it's one of those things where I it was long, yeah. and I didn't and I didn't feel like it was carrying me anywhere. It just kind of felt like one really long song. So I'd have to give it another couple of listens and really pay attention. Um, yeah, is the one is the album you listen to called the director's cut? Version? I don't know. I can check. Yeah, I, I wasn't sure if there was like a more trimmed down version of this. The one I have is okay. is pretty long, like you were saying. La salami. Dun, 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 Ever hear that? Uh, yeah, just now. La salami. <laughs> yeah, so it's Dancing with Bad Grammar. Yeah, the director's cut. Yeah, it makes me think there might be a shorter version that's available that might be a little bit more accessible. But um, cool record, cool cool sounds. There's some kind of funny skits on there as well, even though it's not really a hip hop record by any means. No, 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 not at all. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I would definitely recommend that. Probably the most of all these records we've talked about so far. Kind of like uh, Funky Tracy Chapman or something. <laughs> <laughs> I could definitely see the Tracy Chapman comparison, sure. Uh, I did listen to the King Creosote also. Oh, yeah. What you think of that? Again, you know, I, I kind of put it in the same as La Salami. It was just sort of 
sort of folky and brogy. And okay, you know, pleasant, but I think it's another another one of those things where if I come back to it, yeah, like around, maybe yeah. I'll get hooked. You know, but it's one of those things. You listen to something because you want to check it out, and then it's kind of, you know, you, you're not fully prepared. So if I sure. give them another go, I'll know what to, I'll know what is coming at least and be ready for it instead of, I was surprised because that's not, I was expecting, you know, some stuff. I try to get a good variety of recommendations in here. All right, cool. Yeah, uh, I've been listening to stuff too. Two of which are actually made this year, which is Ooh. unbelievable. Of course, they are bands that have been around since the '90s. So, <laughs> with that caveat, and uh, I always take these opportunities. Old records, I like. I like to things, especially. I think you probably haven't heard. I'll I'll listen to and be like, you know what? I'm putting it on the list because I think Andy needs to needs to hear this. Yeah, I appreciate that. I, I probably wouldn't have otherwise. So, so we're going to start with the Kiss album, their debut album okay. um, called, well, what was it called? Oh, yeah, Kiss. Uh, <laughs> Very creative. And it's so, I want, I want your impressions first. What did you think? Um. Well, I mean, I hadn't heard this particular record, but I definitely had an opinion of the band. Yeah, it's hard not to. Right. Um, you know, when I first heard it, it was like, oh, God, this is going to be what I think it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, I, you know, once you kind of get past the, the obvious kind of bravado and machoism that is Kiss... Mm-hmm. Um, the band themselves they're, they played pretty well together there's a lot of energy enthusiasm going on and um, you know they sound relatively you know cohesive better than you thought right yes I would say I liked it more than I anticipated I would yeah well I think that's the thing with bands like Kiss they have a you know 40 plus year impression right you know, and it, so this first album, a lot of it was written when they were still Wicked Lester, <laughs> and then they—that's right, that was the name of the band. They did some wow. personnel changes, brought in Ace Freely and Peter Chris, I think, and and changed the name and honed the makeup. And you can see on the cover, their makeup has changed a little bit from the original designs. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, this album sounds like a 70s rock album made in 1974. It doesn't sound, you know, especially as a kid, Kiss to me was like heavy metal. Mm-hmm. And it's not. No, There's not even today. some jazz influences in the drumming. And it's just not. It's not what you think. It's just like a, a lot of the other rock albums of the 70s where uh, it's like... You know, it's not quite Boston or anything because it's not stadium rock, but uh, their first several albums were kind of along these lines, and it was the live show and then the uh, Alive, Kiss Alive records that really kicked off their career, Mm -hmm. which was very, I mean, those were live 
performances, but they weren't from one concert. They were all cut together and edited and cleaned up. And they actually, I believe, did some tracking on them to clean up the drums and that kind of stuff. And that's what kicked them off. So I think they had like four albums out before Kiss Alive really kicked them into the stratosphere in terms of super star rockers. Gotcha, gotcha. But I always, as you know, in the 70s, late 70s as a kid, I was scared of them, but I also wanted to hear their music. So <laughs> Scared of them because of their appearance? Yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Like, just leery. I mean, I was like, you know, elementary school age, and I was like, mm. <laughs> Right, right. <laughs> yeah. It does look pretty risky compared to the rest of the music in the 70s. Yeah, I mean, you're talking Peter Frampton with his beautiful golden locks right right so would you consider yourself a fan of the band i would consider myself a fan of kiss albums i'm not really a fan of kiss the persona i mean there's some kiss albums i really like as classic rock from the 70s but i don't like go oh my god kiss is gonna be in town which they were and i don't want nothing to do with that i'm not into the the flames and all that stuff. Right. And some of their songs are silly, but that's all right. Rock and roll can be silly, but yeah, it, it's, yeah, I, I recommend anyone out there that knows Kiss as just Kiss, but isn't familiar with their music. It's fun to go back and listen to the early records and uh, get a sense of just how you know different it is than you think. It's not just rock and roll all night, which is the only song most people know. Uh <laughs> So that's kind of the takeaway there. And if you ever want to check out some really weird shit there, they each put out solo records, I think, in 1978. Oh, really? All at the same time on the same day. And they had their picture, each guy's picture on them. And those, oh, my God, dude. (laughs) They're so, I mean, they're so different from each other. Ace Frehley's is like a pop rock record. Um, Gene Simmons has some... Weird, like R and B songs. I mean, it. Peter Chris is. I mean, they're just really weird. So if you ever feel like spending some weird time, check those out. (laughs) All right, moving on. We should move on. All right, Candlebox disappearing in airports. It's their new album. Came out in April. I've always liked Candlebox since the '90s. Really loved their first, second, and third albums in particular. Uh, I've always enjoyed their bluesy sort of riffage Mm -hmm. the first album has a little bit well a lot of vocal filler with the hey yay yay stuff but that's all right the guy can really sing and i and i've always enjoyed those records sure and and they came back in 2009 after breaking up kind of taking a hiatus in 2000 because of record label problems um and i really liked their 2009 album and uh kevin smith from the band the lead singer, he's done a lot of other projects, which I've enjoyed all of those. And they had a new album a couple of years ago, and then this one just released. And, you know, it's more along the lines of adult contemporary. There aren't any real rockers on it. He's the last guy from the original lineup. They still tour. He still sounds good. If you like Candlebox, it's worth a listen. I don't think it's going to make someone become a Candlebox listener. And if it does, they wouldn't like the older albums. It's more along the lines of uh, Maroon 5, I would say, in terms of of music. And that's okay. I mean, there's some good songs on it, and there's some good lyrics. I've always liked his lyrics. But 
It's not moving anything forward, but I'm glad they're still recording. That's cool. That's kind of all I have to say about that. What do you think? I I think they should really rename the band because it didn't sound anything like Candlebox to me at all. You could tell me it was somebody else and I would have believed it. Well, Um, his other, he had a band called Kevin Martin and the High Watts at one point. Maybe he should go back to that nomenclature. Um, I think you do, you do Candlebox because because the name recognition, right? But yeah, and, and there's guys in the band that have been with Candlebox since 2009. Uh huh. I don't know. Like I listened to this um, once was all I could stomach, and then I was like, "Why?" I I thought I really liked this band, or at least I had a higher opinion of them. So I went back and listened to some of the singles from the mid to late 90s there, and those tracks sounded great. They still have a little bit of a rock edge, a little bit of a you know grunge feel to it. Um, but the, uh, this record that just came out does not sound anything at all like that. <laughs> it's a little more modern and a little more palatable because rock and roll is not really highly palatable to people anymore. They don't want to hear, like, you don't hear a lot of rock on pop rock or on pop stations anymore. So, yeah, I mean, they're definitely, you know, you know trying to make a buck off this record and for sure. <laughs> it is what it is. I like it okay. I've listened to it a few times. It's pleasant, but it doesn't rock. But that's, you know, it's for their fans, I think, more than anybody. Uh, and the last one, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, is an upcoming release, Wilco Schmilko, Wilco's latest album. Uh, apparently the name is kind of a riff on a Harry, Harry Nelson album that came out called Nelson Schmilson. Oh, really? Um, Interesting. Yes. Yes, I thought so as well. I really like it. It's my favorite since Sky Blue Sky. Uh, It's a little more stripped down, simpler, cool lyrics. I like the We Are the World reference in the one song. We Are the World, yeah. Yeah. Uh, You remember that USA for Africa from the 1980s? Yeah, sure, sure. So this is more, I like... I like my stuff a little stripped down and this is a simpler, less, you know, some of the, God, I can't remember the name of the album. Um, the one after sky blue sky, I've got it behind me, but I'm not going to dig it out right now was experimental and like Wilco sounding. I mean, it didn't sound like Radiohead, but it was like being experimental. I prefer just the guitars and keyboard and, you know, simplicity. Yeah. I think that, yeah, you're right. The production is a little bit simpler on this record, com- even compared to the last record, Star Wars, that I, I really enjoyed. I think more than this record, even. I like this better than Star Wars. Yeah. I could see why you would say that, but... Um, yeah, I'm the stripped the strip down guy. I don't... Yeah. You like... It's your style. Yeah. So it makes sense. <laughs> yeah. But they're still putting out good music... They've had a good run the last uh, few years. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, ever ever see them live? I have uh, twice actually. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. They're a really fun live act. Actually, they jam out a lot more than you might expect them to. I saw them once. Oh yeah. Yes. Enjoyable experience. Yeah, very much. It was very cool. It was a good show. Good venue. Uh, it was right in my own house. They played in my bedroom. Shut. I'm serious. Did they really? <laughs> no, come on, man. I don't know. Why would you say that? I don't know, because I like to make things up. 
All right. So, you know, I think that's a pretty good group. We we spanned a lot of genres. I'll, you know, we even hit the hip hop. We didn't get any country in this time. Maybe next yeah, time. I'm sure you'll get that in soon. Maybe. <laughs> it can help. All right. Moving on. Let's uh, talk a little about some musical memories. Man, I flubbed that. Blah, 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 blah. A little bit about musical <laughs> memories. So we like to share stories with each other um, from our past, you know, people we met in music, uh, interesting tidbits. Um, we've, we've shared some things about, you know, I, last time I talked about how I used to record myself beatboxing and then rap over it. So oh, God, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so what we're going to talk about, what I'm going to talk about today is my first, the first record that I ever owned. I did not purchase this, but, uh, it relates a little bit to kiss. So back in the 70s, my dad was a uh, news director at a radio station, a local radio station. Okay. And we'd listen to his station all day. It was a pop rock station, and they would play, you know, stuff like, uh, you know, Fleetwood Mac and that kind of stuff. But then at night, they play Kiss and things of that nature as well, like Bath and some of the softer songs. And my dad was like, okay, you know, you're old enough now. It's probably four or five, so this is late 70s. What I'm gonna, you know, we get promo records over at the station. I'm gonna bring something home for you. And I was like, I want a kiss record. And he's like, Oh, well, you know, we'll see. I'm like, come on, I want a kiss record. And so I remember waiting for him to come home from work. And he had a, he had a 45 in a paper sleeve. So just a promo 45. And I was like, All right. He's like, You know, I don't think you're, you're kind of scared of them. I don't think you're old enough for kiss. So I got you this. And it was Sean Cassidy. Oh, God. <laughs> and it was Hey Dini was the A side. And the B side was Strange Sensation. Um, hey Dini was, I don't know if you've ever heard it, but you should check it out. I definitely will. Sean Cassidy, brother of David Cassidy. He was on the show. So my dad thought I'd like it because I liked the Hardy Boys television show. Uh-huh. Uh, him and Park, it was it's Sean Cassidy and Parker Stevenson played the Hardy Boys and they solved mysteries. And Nancy Drew was on there as well. So he thought I might like it, but it was for girls, you know. But I still played the record all the time because it was mine and I got to use the expensive turntable to play my 45. So I would listen to, Hey, Deanie, won't you come out tonight? I guess Deanie's a girl's name. <laughs> I hope. <laughs> And then the uh, the second song was Strange Sensation, which was like a slow, slow jam kind of a thing. So oh, wow. I don't have it anymore. The whole 45 collection ended up in the garbage at some point. Um, we had this wire rack that all the wires had like fuzzy stuff on them. So you would just slap all the 45s right in there. And uh, there's a lot of weird stuff in there. We had hand jive. <laughs> 45 and uh or not one that used to scare the shit out of me my dad would play Wipeout. uh-huh sure and it starts with that creepy laugh yeah. so he would just put that creepy laugh on to scare me <laughs> so that's my and, and you know what i actually i got i bought the sean cassidy album that has strange sensation and hey Dini on it just so i could listen to them they're quite terrible is that the uh, the greatest hits? Or no, I bought the album the, that has uh, the song that legitimately has the songs on it. Gotcha. Yeah, I was just 
That's amazing you recovered from that, man. At a young age like that, that could really have ruined you for life. The name of the album is Born Late. Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. Love the cover. 1977. Yeah. <laughs> do, <you see, laughs> do you see his self-titled album right before that? With the, yes. Uh, the baseball cap? <laughs> yes. Uh, so anyone the, out there, look up Sean Cassidy album covers. At his peak... He was the feather-haired. Yes, incredible. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I gave you credit, man. Somehow Go, you got past that. Definitely listen to Haydini and Strange Sensation. You need to do that just so you... <laughs> <laughs> I definitely will check out Haydini. It sounds funny. <laughs> Word. All right. What do you got? Oh man. Uh so my my memory this time is a little bit more recent than the seventies. Especially since I wasn't alive. Yeah, uh you weren't yeah, you weren't alive, <laughs> I, I know. Um so you may have heard that the White Stripes put out kind of an acoustic um kind of compilation record a couple of weeks ago. Yes. And it sums up like from ninety eight to two thousand sixteen. And I've been listening to that on and off over the last few weeks. And it kind of just reminded me, like, damn, the freaking White Stripes were so fucking good (laughs) in the early 2000s there. They had a hell of a run. And I kind of had overlooked that a little bit. Um, I don't have a specific memory, but I do remember um, when Seven Nation Army, I think, came out in, like, early 2000s. And first hearing that that track was like, oh my god, this is like they had that sound of like the seventies, seventies mm-hmm. rock that really kind of raw, like raw kind of to it that you didn't really have in the two thousands at all. Yeah, that's kind of the problem with that whole garage rock revival of the of the early two thousands is the the Strokes, the Stripes. The not the stripes they weren't in there, but you know all these guys, the white stripes and, and lots of lots of bands that came through that time period. Everything comes and goes. These trends come and go so fast that they were the only one that really got to leave any kind of stamp, mm-hmm. lasting stamp, or recognizable sound because they ha- were a little more unique in terms of the the voice, you know his voice in particular and his ability to get involved with other artists and write for them and produce for them and all that stuff. Yeah. I think that's probably why they're so, or at least why he's so relevant still. He's kind of taken on the, the label there and put out a lot of cool records outside of the stripes since then. I didn't give them much of a chance back in those days. I was reeling from the end of the grunge era and, yeah. you know, <laughs> pushing up into my late twenties. So, I never really listened to their whole albums or anything. Maybe maybe I'll uh, check out this acoustic thing first and then dip my toe. I mean, I liked a couple of songs here and there, but it didn't. Yeah, it's a good it's a good jumping off place. I mean, it's not all White Stripes. There's a few kind of Reckoners tracks on here and Reckoners. Reckoners. Come on, thank you. Sure. Um, I liked the hives a lot back in that period. Remember those guys? Yeah, I do. You don't hear much of them anymore. <laughs> yeah, they're like from Holland or something. Yeah. Well, yeah, the White Stripes. Remember them. They were good. 
Word. There you go. All right. Uh, so a, a, a little something that we're, we've been playing around with um, is talking maybe about our, our album of the year candidate. Uh, we talked about it before. Andy, why don't you hip us to your jive about how you're leaning right now? Yeah, so I have still today is the uh, David Bowie record, um, Black Star. I listened to it this morning as a reminder. It's very, uh, very good. It is damn good, isn't it? Um, There's a couple things that have come out in the last few months that might rival it by the end of the year, but I haven't yet. Um, I know we both love that Michael Kiwanuka record. Um, Mm -hmm. And just quickly kind of looking through here... um, I know this uh, this Nick Cave record that just came out, Skeleton Tree. That has potential for maybe being up there for me. Um, as well as there's one other thing. What the hell was it? Oh, the record we just talked about earlier, that uh, L.A. Salami record. What? Uh, that okay. Might, that might be up there for me. It's grown on me a lot the last few days. Um. But things do, they take time to kind of settle in and sometimes you get really excited about something and then it kind of wears out yeah. or sometimes something takes a long time to grow on you and then it's great. So I'm still keeping Billy up there as my number one. Uh, where, where do you stand right now, man? By default, I guess, the David Bowie. I, I'm having a hard time because nothing this year has really kicked me in the crotch or in the heart. Um, I've liked a lot of albums, but... I really don't, I don't know. So I've been doing a little research and, and I think what I'm going to do when we do these uh, talks is mm-hmm. I'm going to look at these lists and I've been looking a little bit at some of the, you know, NME and some other sites talking about their best new albums of 2016. There's an album of the year website uh, that people vote. And right now, Nick Cave and the Bad Seed Skeleton Tree is at the top with the best critic score. Really? Interesting. Uh, Fiance Lemonade is second, which, God, I don't want to have to listen to that. I can't imagine. Did you call her Fiance? Yeah. Or Beyonce? I called her Fiance. Because <laughs> she's fierce or what? Why? No, because it's making fun of her name. No, I, I just, yeah. you know, I've never gotten her or whatever, Destiny's Child. That's, nev- that's not for me, you know? But sure. I doubt I would... You know, but the, this is just the the world. Frank Ocean is in there. Radiohead, mm-hmm. uh, Angel Olsen, not familiar. Ian William Craig. So there's a, and then David Bowie is number eight right now. So I'm gonna yeah. try listening to some of these things that I think might actually appeal to me. I might even give Beyonce a, a shot just for the hell of it. I, I I can't imagine it would be my album of the year. But I'm looking at what people are calling out potentials. Sturgill mm-hmm. Simpson is in there. So I'm going to use I'm going to use this as an opportunity to broaden my horizons a little bit uh and try and pick something that I really like and believe is the album of the year but I might find it this way rather than just listening to my usual What's the name of that uh website again? It's called AOTY the best albums of 2016 so it's albumoftheyear.org Gotcha. Cool. I'll definitely check that out. So that might be a you know a good place to look for stuff that's highly 
I don't know where their ratings come from. I I think it's some sort of aggregate score from different sites. But mm-hmm. I just started goofing around with this today. So cool. that's sort of where I am on that tip. Um, oh, and one of the things on the list, yeah. remember a few weeks ago, I was talking about Blood Orange, the guy I saw on Conan with no shirt. Oh, that was the guy from Blood Orange. Yes. Oh, I didn't realize that. Okay. Yeah, sure. That's an interesting record. Oh, really? I'm yes. Like it's weird, man, but I kind of dig it. The guy's interesting. He's an interesting artist. So. Yeah. You might check out the record before that. I, I enjoyed that even more than this newer one. But uh, I looked into his background a little and listened to a part of a song that was okay. awful from <laughs> a punk band he was in when he was like in high school. So they were nice. big in Britain or something. So anyway. Okay. Cool. So that's cool. where I am on that whole thing. Nice. So I'm trying. <laughs> I'm trying. Last year was easy. There was just stuff I freaking loved. And this year, I like stuff, and I love it Like for me. But like that, I mentioned last time, Rival Sons love that album, but I don't think it's album of the year material for, you know. Yeah. I, think I, I think I can go deeper. I think I can dig deeper and, and not go so obvious for a rock record and maybe find something that moves me. All right. Well, we look forward so, to uh, going on that. Deeper journey. journey with you. So. <laughs> uh, all right, so now we're going to try something a little bit new. We're going to because we're running a little long here. We're going to talk yeah. very briefly. I have one news item. Okay. We're going to, if there's anything relevant, we're going to talk a little bit about news and notes that are going on in the music world, pieces of interest, and just kind of chat about them briefly. So, what I want to talk about is I saw a headline the other day that the U.S. music industry. Mm-hmm. For the first time, is making money in a long time. Uh, the widening popularity of ten dollar a month music subscriptions, like Spotify, Apple Music, are lifting the record industry to its best best growth. Now, this is just growth since the nineteen nineties. There's been a huge shrink. So, growth mm-hmm. percentages is what we're talking about here. We're not. I'm not saying that. The music industry is making more money than it was in the 90s, but this is the first time there's been growth rather than shrinking gotcha. because of people downloading free stuff. And It's going in the right direction. Yes, yes. So uh, from what I'm reading, the U.S. sales from streaming music were up 8.1% to $3.4 billion in the first six months of this year compared to the same period last year. So more people um, are buying into streaming than they were... Previously, so the, yeah, so the shift is the best growth since the late '90s, according to the RIAA, mm-hmm. uh, Recording Industry Association of America. Consumers have been moving away from buying music outright and paying for you know the all-you-can-eat subscriptions, the ten-dollar monthly memberships like Spotify, Apple Music, Title, uh, Google. Uh, mm-hmm. They've reached enough scale to drive the recording industry's growth up. CD sales are not up. <laughs> Um, so their average of 18.3 million music subscribers doubling the 9.1 million reported at the same time last year. Wow. So, and also 47% of the industry's total, which includes subscriptions on radio stations like Pandora and ad supported operations like Vivo, YouTube, and -hmm. free versions of Spotify with the commercials. So it's all starting to, people are, I think it's a cultural shift. People have to become comfortable with it. Like I've gotten my parents into the streaming subscription stuff. 
Because cool. uh, a lot of people, it's so easy to go to Pandora. People, That's the entry point, it seems. But it's not deep enough. You can't listen to albums. You can't. Well, maybe you can. I don't know. I haven't used it in like 10 years or five or six years. But I think this is good. I think this is good. This is good for people to, you know, the other night I was talking to my wife and I was like, what's the what's the drive for pe- young people to start bands? Like it used to be getting rich and famous or, you know, there's the artistic people too. But I mean, there were, even the artistic people always, I think, had some dreams of being rich and famous. And only a certain type of artist gets there now. Usually a young, you know, it's either the rap dudes, country guys, and, you know, seemingly attractive young ladies that wear skimpy clothes, for the most part, are the ones that really make the dough, you know? I mean, am I wrong? Am I just a a grumpy old man? Um, In terms of people who are, like, millionaires and living in mansions? Well, in terms of people that are successful, that become stars. I think there's a lot more people who are maybe at the middle to lower level where they can, you know, afford to do this professionally. Yeah, make a living, but maybe aren't wealthy. Right. I just mean that, you know, when you're a kid, you dream big and it's like, I want to be a rock star. I just don't Uh know, you know, this is encouraging to me that there's, there's still a music industry to be had because I I was afraid that it was just gonna crumble, <laughs> disappear. You know? Yeah. Oh, well, that is encouraging to hear. That's really the first kind of good news I've heard about the industry in quite a while. Yeah. So I thought that was worth talking about. <laughs> That's cool. That's good to know. Sweet. Yeah. I think probably the biggest problem out there, and we talked about this a lot um, outside the podcast, is you know the labels and how that works in the streaming world that we live in now. Um, how do artists get compensated? Are we paying enough for our streaming services? Um, how that, how does that dollar get split apart? I think um, if we could solve that issue, everything would be golden. Be, yeah. I, I also, I mean, <laughs> I, the exclusives and stuff, I just, I think are the wrong way to go. I think, mm. I think all these services should have essentially the same stuff offered to them. So the value, you know, so the ten, the ten bucks a month is well spent. You know, I think that's part of. You know, people are like, well, you know, will I use it? I I just think when there's more usability, when there's more ease of access. And when it's, you know, more and more like with a phone, if you're just searching something that it should say, oh, this is in your, you can get this, it's Spotify that you have on your phone. Oh, right. You know? Sure. I I, I feel like, you know, that kind of, or, or uh, alerts from the app telling you a new album is out. That's the kind of stuff I get that helps. Like uh, the Dawes album we'll probably talk about next time. The only reason I knew about it is because Google Play Music told me, hey, you listen to Dawes, they have a new album out. And I'm like, oh. Thanks. Yeah, I mean, that's something I dreamed about in the early 2000s. You know, like, I wish there was a service that tell me when new records for my favorite hours come out. And now, yeah, it's a, it's an amazing time in music, at least as a listener. Yeah. I think we are maybe moving towards some, you know, a bit more promising time as an artist. Yep, I agree. All right. 
So, last but not least, we at the end of the show, we like to talk about some stuff that isn't music-related, just a product, service, observation, a cool thing out there. We'd like to give props to, so we're going to give props to a couple of things, one each. I don't have one listed, but I do have one in mind. I'd like to give props this week to Zencaster. Oh. It's a uh, service that we're using so that we can have a VOIP conversation with each other uh, from a distance. It's a way to podcast together without having to use Skype, uh, which the sound quality is not so great. This is very good sound quality. And we're doing MP3. We could do uh, WAV files, but we've been doing MP3, and it sounds quite good. They mm-hmm. uh, Right now it's free. I think it will become a pay service at some point, uh, but it's awesome. We You just... Uh, Set up an account, set up a Dropbox, and you start your uh, cast, you know, start your call. You send the invite to your buddy. They join, and you're talking off air, and then you hit record, and you can record the conversation. They send you to your Dropbox three tracks total. You can get one from, you know, or if we had more people join, one for each person who's speaking, who's part of the call. And they have their own VOIP service. You can use Hangouts and other services instead if you want. Uh, But then you have to give your credentials over to get signed into them. Um, And then you get they will master the track for you, mix mix it, and that gets put in your Dropbox also. So then all you got to do is slap it into Audacity and make a couple of. So this would be great for people. A couple of you know a couple of tweaks here and there. Add the music and you're good so people who podcast regularly and try and do interviews this is awesome awesome tool and i yeah, think it's it sounds been, better uh, it's been really a joy to use it's super simple simple interface you know occasionally we'll have connection problems but in general it's been awesome and it's definitely made this a lot easier for us yeah and you can choose what mic you're using uh so the, if you have a nice high quality mic you plug it in you choose it from the list and yeah I, i've been very happy with this so Go Zencaster. Please let us keep our free account. <laughs> free, free, free. We love Zencaster. Woo. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So my prop for this time is a TV show I've been watching. I think it originally aired on the USA Network. Uh, I've been watching on the Amazon streaming service. It's called Mr. Robot. It's um. It's kind of a... F- Beep, boop, boop, bop, boop, boop. <laughs> yes. <laughs> It's about real people, though. Um, no, it's it's uh, about it's about an English butler that's really a robot, like Mr. Belvedere, right? <laughs> if you made that show, I would watch it, man. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Robot, dear. The real show is actually about a twenty-something uh, hacker in in New York City. Um, he's kind of a what you'd call like a a white hat hacker. He tries to do social good with this hacking. Um, and he joins up with a group of hackers who are trying to take down, um, large corporations. Evil Corp. Evil Corp. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, it's pretty, it's pretty smart as a little bit of a tech angle. If you're into the tech sphere, you probably would appreciate it. Um, yeah, there's some drama with relationships and drug use and stuff like that, but um been really enjoying it. It's very well made, very high budget, uh, and really good acting. Christian Slater 
has a, a role in it, if you remember him. Pump up the volume, man. Harry Hardon. Have, have you ever watched the movie Pump Up the Volume? No, no. I haven't had the pleasure. Watch it. Watch it's it. Christian Slater. It's about a teenager. In, Christian Slater is a teenager, and he has a pirate radio show out of his basement, and he affects change in the world. Uh, you'll see, if you watch that movie, you will see shades of it brought up in Mr. Robot. They definitely make references to it. So That does sound like kind of a similar <laughs> career. Check choice. it out. Yeah. Definitely check it out. It's it's I mean it's late eighties and so it's got you know it's late eighties ness to it, but definitely watch Pump Up the Volume. Cool. Uh, how far into Mister Robot are you? I believe I am. I would say five episodes in. Each episode is about an hour long. So yep, yep. Uh, we watched the first season. We're watching the second season on USA right now. Oh, cool, cool. Still good. In uh, a world where Mister Robot. Saves you from Evil Corp. <laughs> I love what they call it Evil Corp throughout the whole show. <laughs> you know, it's like kind of... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, and, yeah, that's a, that's a great show. Yeah, uh, very interesting stuff. Yeah. And the actor that plays the main character, mm-hmm. he's really like 35 years old. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, we always we always look up actors and stuff when we're watching. Hey, what else were they in? <laughs> so. He's got those bugged out eyes, man. It really makes it feel kind of creepy. Yes, intense. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay, so those are the props for this week from the album nerds. Uh, we were supposed to harmonize right there. Album nerds. No, never mind. We said. <laughs> All right, so thanks for listening. Uh, check us out on albumnerds.com. Give us suggestions. Tell us some of your props. Tell us some of your stories. Um, maybe maybe someday if we have enough people sharing their stories, they can email them to us or whatever, put them on the website, and we can share other people's stories. That might be fun. That would be amazing. We could read them in dramatic voices. I think that would be awesome. All right, so if you're out there listening, please let us know. Please tell us what's better, what's worse. Someday... Maybe in the year 2025, someone will get to listen to these. Andy, <laughs> hint, hint. All right. So that's it for the album nerds. I'm going to say bye-bye. What are you going to say? I'll say see you next time. All right. Peace. Bye.